This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. It was interesting when I was preparing this talk, I was, um, had in my mind um, pediatric intensive care, um, nurse education, is there any difference? And I was thinking in terms of compared to adult intensive care. But um, after talking to Kimber, I was glad that um, I then realized that certainly in Hobart that there's the difference about is there any difference between pediatric intensive care and neonatal intensive care. So my attempt is to, is to address both of those um, in the talk today. Um, I, th I thought I'd start off by looking at where does pediatric intensive care fit in to the big picture and we're part of critical care. Um, nursing and um, in the developed countries, um, most of those have developed um, competency standards or practice standards for specialist level critical care nursing. And this was um, a paper published now a couple of years ago that's already out of date. Um, but um, we did look at um, comparing the different countries' practice standards and, and found that they are all based on the beginning registered nurse um, standards. Um, but when, when we actually looked at what, what was covered in the practice standards, you could see that um, we've got constructs that were contained in many of the, the standards that we've looked at. Um, but then there was none that were common to all. So I guess we're talking about the same sort of thing, but we might not necessarily um, use the same words. But you can see some of the, these constructs are pretty generic, and it wouldn't matter which area of critical care you worked in, or even um, when you look, I think when you look at some of these um, terms, it wouldn't really matter which area of nursing you work in. They're all pretty generic. When we look at... Um, um, ACCCN's competency standards in particular, now they were last um, revised in 2002 and I'm sure you'll be already be aware that the revision's underway. So the competency standards are um, articulate specialist level practice for critical care nursing. They were developed as a result of originally of a big project that involved data collection from critical care areas which included neonatal intensive care, pediatric intensive care and adult critical care areas as well as some other specialties. Um, and um, ACCCN have, have developed their position statement that recommended that these competency standards are used for um, uh, the curriculum development for courses, for postgraduate courses, and in particular for um, a basis for an assessment. Um, but um, as I mentioned, they were now developed um, in 2002. So they are getting old now. And the other issue is that they articulate the specialist level competency standards. So this is just a bit of background to what I'm going to talk on next then. So we don't really have an, an outcome for practice, practice standards. We don't have a practice standards for graduates of courses. And we've got this, um, these, this mandate from um, our standards um, for workforce that um, we should have a minimum of 50% of nurses are qualified in the specialty. Um, but there's no regulation about what that specialty should look like. So we're fortunate that HCCN uh, have, a, have a, a position statement. The College of Intensive Care Medicine have a standard as well as the Australian Council on Healthcare Standards. So we should be staffing our intensive care units with, with qualified nurses. But we know from um, work originally done by um, Liang Aitken and colleagues and, and more recently in some work that I haven't um, had published yet that there is a great variety in um, 
courses that um, preparing nurses to be qualified, um, both in adult and pediatric, that um, the level of the qualification can vary, the curriculum can vary, the experienced students um, have on their course varies, and their practice outcome can vary, and it may or may not actually be assessed. Internationally, there has been a move to, to achieve more consistency in postgraduate education, and particularly in Europe um, and in the um, UK, there are competency frameworks now for postgraduate education. So that leads me to the project that I've been working on um, that's been um, a, a, num a number of stages. First of all, the literature review, looking at what are the practice standards, practice outcomes for um, critical care nurses in um, is the, what standards and what, what, um, how that relates to education internationally. Um, we undertook an analysis of 22 courses that offer critical care with or without pediatric intensive care and looked at particularly at um, the factors that influence practice outcomes and in clinical assessment tools. And then I think importantly for this study, we also obtained health consumers' views about what they thought was important to, for critical care nurses to be doing and for graduates of um, courses, what, what were the important um, um, aspects of the skills, outcome standards, what, what did health consumers think was important. And I'll talk a little bit more about that la later on. So these um, collectively then um, enabled the development of, of some practice standards um, that were grouped into in six domains that were used then for a Delphi study to, um, to further develop these standards. So these are the six domains, and um, you can see with the first domain there, a patient and family-focused approach to care, then um, many of the um, statements um, are included there that reflected um, what health consumers thought were important. Um, we've got quality of care, resuscitation, assessment, and then the critical illness management incorporates a number of areas, and that makes up pretty much half of the standards altogether, and teamwork and leadership. So we undertook a, a three-round Delphi technique using um, online sur survey monkey. Um, recruited a national panel of critical care nurses. We had 105 agreed to participate. Recruited that those uh, that panel um, purposefully using a structured approach having a, um, a combination of adult um, intensive care adult um, critical care more broadly coronary care high dependency and also pediatric intensive care and groups um, in particular of um, those that advisory group we called them so people that had expertise in standards in um, education um, core stakeholders were course coordinators of um, the uh, many critical care courses that are run across Australia. Practice stakeholders, so there was um, pe people working in clinical practice, in clinical education and in management. And then, of course, graduates, so um, critical care nurses who had um, finished a critical care course within 12 months. And uh, we asked them to rate their uh, level of agreement as in um, how important they thought these statements were on a, on a one to seven scale. And then also, we also asked them to rate the level of practice that they would expect a graduate to achieve. And you can see there on, on the bottom corner here, the um, level of practice categories. And they were developed um, based on Miller's 
work of um, assessment framework and also the Cobertree's co collaborations, recent work for core competencies for medical training in um, intensive care. And so we've got five categories of what you would expect for a graduate. So what do we find? We found um, we were able to develop some practice standards that um, there was actually 98 standards. So we actually ended up with a few more than we started with. Um, with some deletions, some additions, some addition, um, editing, etc. And we were able to identify three levels of practice that are expected of a graduate. So there were some core competencies that graduates were expected to be able to demonstrate independently to manage patients. Some that were recognized it was beyond the scope of um, their course that they wouldn't be able to be independent, but they should have had some exposure, some experience, and have some knowledge to be able to demonstrate under supervision. And then a third level where it wouldn't have had exposure, experience, but would have expected to have some knowledge of and describe. And I think importantly, um, this study has shown that graduates, or what's expected of graduates of courses is that they can independently care for the for majority of critically ill patients in most contexts, but not all contexts, because you can think about how, how specialized we can be in intensive care. It was agreed that it should be using a patient and family focused approach. But I think also importantly that it, graduates are not expected to be a team leader. And I think that was um, an important finding because um, there's a, been a big variety in what has been expected of graduates. So that, was, that clearly then provides a, a definition for workforce standards. So we thought it would be important to see whether we've got a consensus, um, whether a difference of views, particularly between the um, stakeholder groups. So we had the advisory group, course coordinators, gra and graduates, and those that worked in practice. And we found that there was no difference um, across any of those domains, the six domains. There was no difference. What do you think we found when we compared adults and pediatrics? Do you think they would have the same or different views? They were, they, were, they, were, they were the same in five out of six of the domains. The one domain that was different was in the resuscitation domain, which did surprise me slightly. I thought there may have been a difference in the family and focused um, approach to care. But in the resuscitation domain, when I drilled down to look at which statement in particular, it was, a, it was the family focused approach. So it was that facilitation of family presence and resuscitation. And, and I guess when, when, when I'm going on to the next few slides, that's something that comes out from, from the literature. Um, this um, Im important um, pr clinical practice guidelines now um, developed in the, the mid-2000s, published in 2007, um, was a, uh, a, a review of, um, fam of care of the fam family in the pa patient-centered intensive care and covering adult pediatric and neonatal intensive care. And it, the, the group reviewed over 300 um, studies to develop 43 recommendations. And you can see some of the, the key principles there of um, how families should be cared for in the intensive care unit. And um, the, uh, the recommendations then, that, so we say now that that's like nearly um, 10 years ago, but how, how are we doing? Um, in the adult in intensive care, this, I think this is quite a good model to show what are the factors that influence patient family satisfaction. And other than the patient and family related factors, some of the other three uh, key items are that it depends on the family's expectations, 
the hospital infrastructure and um, processes of care can really impact on family satisfaction. And then that whole area about information and communication. So even in 2000, just this paper published at Alma Mutter and colleagues in 2007 was a review of family needs and involvement in intensive care. And you think by now we'd be, we would be getting it right, but no, there are still big gaps in um, what families say they need and want and what our perceptions are, what they need and want. There's still a gap, although everyone's positive about family-centered care in uh, particularly the health providers being positive in terms of um, families being present in routine care. What's not so consistent is the, um, the area about families pres family presence at resuscitation. So this is this infrastructure about can families be present or not, and in the adult environment that's still something that's um, evolving. Um, in um, Europe there's been moves to um, develop visiting policies um, and, and in the UK, sorry, the, the BACCN, the British Association of Critical Care Nurses, have developed a position statement for families visiting in intensive care, and that's also something we're doing with um, ACCN, um, and I think in terming it more about families' um, involvement in intensive care. So that's something that is not done consistent, consistently. But there are some um, initiatives that um, I think are exciting, some, and I've got a couple of examples there about to address the information and, and communication needs for families, involving families in providing patient care with um, Marion Mitchell and colleagues. And um, there's been some work done um, in a number of um, countries about using patient diaries, um, both for communication mode, but also its benefit in reducing patients' post-traumatic stress disorder. But I think the key point is that there's lots of good things being done, but it's not being done consistently. In the NICU setting, it's patient, I mean, family-centered care is something that's been um, a part of our, our, the philosophy for many, many years. But um, this recent study conducted in Sydney um, really identified that what nurses struggle with is that shifting their role from being the doer, the carer, to being more the support of parents. And that's something that they don't necessarily find easy. Um, and the, um, I guess the, the workforce um, uh, mixes as a lot of inexperienced nurses, and those are the nurses that find it more difficult to be able to support families at the same time as being able to provide their family care, their, um, their patient care. So they're finding it hard to do that multitasking. So I think that's something else to, that I'll come back to as we go through. And there is a still a lack of guidelines, so the in, there is an inconsistency on that. Some people are better at doing it than others, and, but not everybody's doing the same thing. And then in the PICU setting, this is um, a, a framework that Jos Latour used from some of his work around patient satisfaction. And similar sort of um, themes there you can see. Um, what affects parent satisfaction is, is physical and emotional support, coordination of care, in being, parents being involved, having respect and information and education. So parental expectations, again, this is um, Latour and colleagues' um, work looking at there are differences about perceptions of parents and health professionals. So we don't always know we've got it right. The um, parental involvement, um, there's still a lack of consistency. This is work in, in Europe with Fulbrook except, and colleagues that they found um, that although pediatric critical care nurses are much more positive about parents' um, presence 
than adult colleagues, there's still an inconsistency and many um, units don't have policies about parents' um, presence um, either in the unit at all or for resuscitation or procedures. So looking at how, how does that work in, in Australia, for part of our study in developing the practice standards, we, we sought health consumers' views and they identified what they thought were important components of the critical care nurse role. Um, you can see some of the similar themes I've been talking about already about making the patient feel safe, providing physical care, but importantly, supporting socio-emotional needs. There was the inconsistency reported by the health consumer um, groups that um, not, some people are better at it than the others, and in some places it's done better than others. And for practice standards for critical care course graduates, they really believe it's um, those important communication, listening skills, um, all of those um, attributes that you heard Elaine speak about in the first session are so important to the consumer. And I think this is even more important now. We're focusing much more on the quality of our, um, our work with health consumers. So I think the principles are in, in the health in the family centre care setting in intensive care, then for nurse education, it's facilitating that patient and family centred approach. So there needs to be that philosophy underpinning all programmes. From the beginning, it's not learning how to look after the patient first and the family second. Having a standardised approach to so having policies and guidelines and influencing nurses' attitudes so that they value and really do um, embrace um, looking after families, that it's not um, something that some people are good at and others are not, but we all do it well. So applying that to the, the PICU setting then um, for education in particular, I'm going to be a bit more specific then. Um, Learners in PICU they come from all sorts of backgrounds, and I realised when Kim, Kimber was speaking then I didn't have midwives, but sorry. <laughs> but there are um, many backgrounds that um, nurses come from, and so they bring in their different skills. They may come from an adult intensive care or critical care background, they may come from a neonatal, from a paediatric background, they may come from a PICU background, but it's another PICU, or they may have none. So. We haven't got a homogenous group when we're providing an education program, so we really need to have a, a structured approach that has clear competency and outcome-based approach so that we can fit everybody in, meet their needs, and um, achieve the outcome. So that's the, the steps in planning the competency-based education. So really identifying, and I'm going to talk about what, what is your core business, identifying what are the abilities you need for, for, for your, the nurses working in your unit, defining what's required and if that's um, whether that's looking after um, infants with um, uh, oxygen delivery systems or is that uh, looking after um, children with a non-invasive ventilation or is that looking after children who are mechanically ventilated and so there are components and milestones along that in developmental stages so that you can design the curriculum accordingly and uh, choose the the appropriate assessment tools, which I haven't got time to talk about, and, and of course evaluate your program. So what is your core business? And I think um, that I was, I was glad to see that on Kimber's um, slide, that looking after the sick respiratory patient is core business in PICU. And how many times do you hear that, particularly when you're getting relieving staff, are they, are they bent comp? Well, what we mean by that, I think, and I, and I hate that word myself, but what we mean by that is that it, nurses working in, in paediatric intensive care are able to provide the nursing care or manage the nursing care for critically ill patients requiring mechanical ventilation. And if we can achieve that, then we've got core skills. And, and this is um, 
the entrustable professional activities that have been described by Frank and colleagues um, in some work in um, medical competency-based education. So it's knowing what's core business. So um, then applying that to what the learner's needs are. So um, depending on what the learner's backgrounds are, do that, are they aware that um, new, newborn, newborn's response to hypoxia is going to revert to fetal circulation? Or um, if they're from an adult background, are they going to be able to assess respiratory failure? Or if they're from a neonatal background, are they going to think beyond um, thinking about circulating volume of the preterm or newborn to a more an adult physiology? So thinking about um, managing the, the fluid um, status of the patient who's ventilated. So keeping in mind, is it this sort of patient with a respiratory failure that you're going to be expecting nurses to, to be cared for effectively? Or is it um, more like a complex patient who's had um, cardiac surgery, has got different um, issues to consider in their respiratory management? And again, another example of a patient, I guess, more specialized, a patient with burns and inhalation injuries, it's got additional challenges for their respiratory management. So it's putting it together, thinking about um, for your learner, are you expecting them to have knowledge of and describe? Are you expecting them to be able to demonstrate under supervision? So they're very much um, just beginning their pathway of PICU um, practice. Would you be able to expect them um, to manage the patient independently? So perhaps the um, outcome of um, a critical care course? Or would you expecting this um, nurse to be able to teach others, supervise others, so this is more leadership um, level of competency, but we're talking about the same thing, the patient requiring ventilatory support, but we don't expect the same thing from every, every one of our nurses. But behind that competency, of course, is all of your curriculum that goes into that, so the knowledge, the skills, attitudes, and values that underpin competency. So just putting it all together then to finish then, it's for the development of, of PICU education in particular, for, for developing our learners. It's um, keeping in mind we understand the level that we're expecting of our learners. We don't expect, we, I think working in the area, don't expect beginning practice um, graduates from um, last semester who are now working in our PICU to be able to look after um, a ventilator patient. Our, managers do or our um, admin staff do expect that to happen within a matter of weeks but we know that that takes time and it's de a developing process we need to know what who our patient group are in Kimber provided a, a, a profile there of the um, patient um, case mix in um, Hobart in the NICU PICU so being bearing in mind what do we need to know Understanding the nurses' learning needs, so understanding their background, so it's not one package that fits all and needs to be um, individualized. And it realizes then that nurses' experience will be varied and it does develop over time, so that's something that um, we need to be realistic with the milestones and the time frames we put on learning. The knowledge and curriculum will then build on nurses' previous um, knowledge and experience and, and structure it based on what do we need to achieve in the end because it can be completely overwhelming and I know when I first started teaching in, in um, postgraduate education I really felt like everybody needed to know everything but I think over time and I guess with more experience and knowledge myself I now realize that we really need to be clear about what do we want the nurse to be able to do and know about and make sure it's focused so less is definitely more what's really important. 
And then the skills, I think it's, what's really important is that ability to multitask. It's not about looking after the patient first and then as you become more proficient, be able to look after the family as well. It needs to be in tandem because that's, that's, our, that's what we do. That's our business is looking after families. And, and so much about standardizing approaches and um, to assessment and, and Tina prompted me to think also about early warning um, systems so that um, there is a commonality, there's a sameness so that people are thinking smartly, critical thinking about um, doing things the same way and it doesn't um, give people opportunity to, um, to make mistakes. So standardizing the way we do things, standardizing equipment and the role of simulation is so important both for practicing technical skills, physical skills, but also those um, communication skills and supporting family skills. And attitudes and values, I think uh, we've got a big role in um, really um, instilling in all nurses, and not only PICU nurses, how important it is to look after families and um, make that easy, be able to do it the right way by having um, policy and guidelines to standardize that approach as well. So thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.